This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So welcome to New Church Live. We're going to be talking today about, about gifts and, and what are the, the, the real unwrapping of these gifts of the season. And, you know, today's service is really important. You know, there's some Christmas services that, that I feel like, yeah, it's nice and I want to warm your heart. This one, we want to warm your heart, but we also really want to leave you with a very crystal clear message. And that message, you know, comes down to this question. Who is, please say the middle two words, who is the, who is the good news for? Now, a little background to that. Gospel, when people talk about the gospel, that's Greek. It actually means, take a guess, say the two words. Gospel actually means? It actually means good news. And so the question becomes, well, what is the good news? Well, the good news is about about God born onto this earth and and the love and the caring and, and the modeling of all those things that we are called to follow. That's really the good news. And a lot of the time, I think for me, like I kind of think of that good news as like, well, I got the good news, so my job is like a newspaper boy to go around and dole it out. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe it's supposed to be more. Maybe, yes, we're supposed to be sharing this good news, and maybe this, maybe we are supposed to be the good news. To be the good news. Not being it in the form of like, hey, I'm in the house, good news is here, don't worry. That's it's not it. Not it. And we all know some people who are like that. It's, it's a humble peace. It's a quiet peace. It's a peace that's able to be the good news as God gives us to see it. And very importantly, the two words that I want you to really come out of here with today, two words that describe who the good news is for, are the two words, all nations. So let's say that together. All nations. And we're going to keep coming back to that theme. Who is the good news for? Well, it's about being the good news. And it's about being the good news for all nations. Now, it starts here, folks. It's interesting, again, like we look back to prophecies of old. This one goes back to Isaiah. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. Say the words. All nations will stream to it. Beautiful, like thousands of years before Christ is born. All nations will stream to it. He will judge between the nations. It will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares. Hint, the nativity scene over here. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Beautiful prophecy. Like, look, when Christ comes, this is what's going to happen. All nations are going to stream to this. We're not talking live stream to it. We're talking all nations are going to stream to this, are going to come to this. And again, in an era, folks, that was so rife with tribalism, so rife with what would amount to today with gang warfare, to say something as grandiose as that this would be all nations, I can picture a lot of people going, yeah, right. How's that going to work, given the world that we're living in? It's a great question then, and I think it's a great question today. I think the reality is, is that this is a lived prophecy. 
It's something we look at Isaiah saying, like, this is what God is doing. This is where God is pulling us. And then we get to look at the Christmas story and see how the prophecy and how Christmas actually match up. To do that, I want you to, I want to tell you the story of the three wise men. Now, three wise men are magi, very famous story, very famous part of the Christmas story. I want to read it for you. And then I want to talk about like some deeper meaning, some things that have surprised me about the story. And this is from Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi, or, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. And again, like kids, you know, they, they were sort of astrologers and they would have looked up and they would have seen a new star and go like, oh, there's that star, this prophecy they would have matched it together and they would have started moving. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. King Herod's the bad guy in the story. King Herod was the guy in charge of the occupied territories. And he would have been deeply concerned, deeply concerned that there was somebody here that was trying to usurp his reign. In other words, trying to overthrow him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, so he pulls them together, found out the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Yeah, right. He was not going there to worship him. He's going there to destroy him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way." Now, a few things when we're looking at this beautiful story that, that, that surprised me this year. Like every year as a pastor, when you step into the story, it's interesting. Like the story keeps unfolding. Yeah, the ancient Indian saying, by the way, you never step into the same river twice. It's the same with scripture. And what sort of struck me was, was this. After Jesus was born during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And then it goes and they returned back to their country. I didn't know these folks weren't Jewish. I had thought like the wise men, they were part of the chosen people, the tribe in whom Christ was born into, but they weren't. They weren't. They were foreigners. Think about that. They were Persian. All nations will travel to this mountain of the Lord, will stream to it and stream from it. Can you see the prophecy coming alive? I mean, they could have picked sort of it for being an inside job. Like, yes, you know, this was a story that just went to the inside people and they got it, thank goodness, which would have made them extra special. But no, this is a totally foreign group that got it in the travel. That's a beautiful part of the story. One that I think we can often miss. And then there's this phrase here that was really interesting. It's just two words, but it, but again, it's a shift. Born king. Never saw that one before. What's interesting is that these wise men come and they say, we're searching for the person who was born king. We all know the hierarchy in, in being royalty, right? Are you born a king? No, what are you born? 
begins with a piece. Everybody say it. You're born a prince. So here's this born king. Here's this, here's this other part where they were understanding that even as an infant, these foreigners, understanding that even as an infant, this good news was incredibly powerful, was, was something that could, that, could, that could bring life in a new way. I think we need to think about that. This idea of like this, like this lived prophecy where we see these, these all nations flowing to the story, understanding this kingship, and then traveling back with good news. Now, it's my privilege to introduce our middle song. You're going to get to hear about some of this in song as these wonderful students come out who are going to be singing. And I want you just thinking, yeah, okay, so we, I get that, all nations. Well, what does that actually look like? And that piece of the story, you know, that the threads here, God with us, Emmanuel. We talked about last week, God with us, Emmanuel. And these wise men traveling from afar, this, this all nations part, like this representative, this, this, this both this truth and this metaphor at the same time of all nations traveling, good news for all. So let's, let's pick up the context. The context is so cool when you start to look at, at how the word functions. You have this prophecy 4,000 years ago, you know, and, and this prophecy of what was going to come, and then you have Christ's birth, and you have the wise men literally traveling to it, sort of living out this part of the prophecy, understanding more and more what it actually meant to beat swords into plowshares. By the way, a little aside, that's, that's such a powerful image, it's in front of the United Nations. And a beautiful statue, you can Google it. And then after that, so, so, so then, you know, Christ lives, he lives for, for, you know, 30, 32 years, roughly, we, we guess, before he dies. And what he offers at the end of each of the four Gospels, four different accountings of this, is something called the Great Commission. So we have the prophecy, we have Christ's birth and a lot of events from the prophecy coming true, and we have Christ's life. And we can see the thread running through all of those. Could you give me the two-word thread? I'm going to see how much you remember. The two-word thread, the thread is all nations. That thread. The Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And here he's talking to his 12 disciples, the 12 people who were following him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you. This is a beautiful line here. And surely I am with you. Surely I am with you. Always the very end of the age. Now we're going to leave that up for a minute because I want to pull some of the different words there so we understand, you know, the beauty that's within this. That word there, disciple. Now it's a beautiful word. Listen to this, folks. It means learner. It means learner. Follower. That idea of somebody, yes, who has a component of following, and very importantly as well, has this huge part of their life where they are learning to be a learner. That's what the Great Commission is asking. That all of us, if we're to be the good news, 
We have to be these learners. We have to be that, that, that humble, incredible part that can actually continue to learn. And again, and then it goes on to all nations. This disciples unto all nations, unto all. Not just, as one author said with a smile, the frozen chosen. But something that expands beyond our own tribe. Something where everybody who comes into contact with you, if if you're living in this space, knows that it's good news. One author who I like a great deal, he said, well, well, how do you know, uh, how do you know a Christian? And, And he said, well, you'll know one when you've met one. And I've met a few. <laughs> and, and it's beautiful because they can encapsulate that good news. And it really is, is for all nations. And then that part of teaching and obey, teach and obey, teach and obey. So share it. So I'm a learner. I'm a learner who's able to go out to all nations. I'm able to share. And I'm able to obey. Obey means to hear. I'm able to listen, to listen to the commands of God and the two greatest commands of God are love God and your neighbor. In other words, love God and the person right in front of you. Said that simply. There's some really key points to this, folks. So some pieces that are, you know, it's a little hard as a pastor because I I, I just, I want us to settle into how big this can be. We really get, really allow into our hearts this Christmas season that this is good news for all nations. Doesn't mean that all nations become Christian. That's not what I'm talking about here. That the good news actually can become this, this, this force out there into the world that actually makes a difference. I, I think one of the big lessons that this has is we learn versus impose. You know, it's, it's about a learning that takes place, not something that we impose on other people, but a piece where we learn. It's, it's a humility there. It's not an arrogance. It's a humility, not an arrogance. And then what can start to happen? If, if I can really start to live this great commission in this way, really start to understand love in this way, there's a miracle that can start to transform. I want to flip to new church theology here. I want to flip to how new church holds what the world can be. And this is one of my favorite, favorite passages in all of new church stuff. It's where Emmanuel Swedenborg writes in a book called Secrets of Heaven, and he offers these things. If we hold, I'm going to have you say the L and the S word there. If we hold loving, if we hold loving God and and serving others as the chief concern of faith. Listen to these lines here. As the chief concern of faith. One church. How many churches? One. One church would come of all the different churches. All doctrinal disagreement would vanish. Even the hatred of one faith of another would melt away. In the Lord's kingdom, heaven would come on earth. That is really powerful to me. And notice, like, it's, it's a formula. If we focus on loving and serving, then heaven really does come to earth. And that is good news for all nations. 
I want to be clear about why that's really good news for all nations. It's, it's a slight change of focus, and it's like it, you just got to look at it just a little differently. Look at this next slide. It's where we focus, please say the L word there, it's where we focus on the love of God, not the, not the definition of God. That's really big. That's really big. See, it's not about coming up with like, this is my strict definition of God, period. And having battles over that. How many of us engaged in worship wars at some point in time in your life? Like, it's not a lot of fun. It just isn't. It's like when, when somebody asks me sometimes, you know, are you a Christian? I, I'm never quite sure what to say sometimes. <laughs> because I, sometimes I just don't want to have the argument. You know, because I'm not sure how they mean that question. Because that's getting into what a definition of God is. But no, what we're being asked to do, what New Church asks us to do, what the prophecy asks us to do with all nations, what Christ asks us to do with being born on this earth, is to focus on the love of God. I want to say that again. Focus on the love of God. Focus on service to others. Give up being right. Give up being right. Now, that doesn't mean that it isn't important what our definition of God is. Of course it is important. Of course it's important. I mean, that's why God decided to come down as a baby, so that we could get a definition of God, a definition that could work and could actually open us up to this other piece that is about love. Very powerful. Can I give a little aside here? All right, I'm going to get back to New Jersey, but I want to go to Ohio for a second. One of the things that that I find distressing personally is when people think that when you talk about love, you're talking about being soft. Are the most loving people in your life pretty tough some of the time? Yes or no? You're probably sitting by some right now. You, You bet your love is tough. Don't let people off the hook with like, oh, that's just nostalgia or mush or whatever. It's not true. All right, back to New Jersey. (laughs) This piece here, folks, I really do want you to hold on to that. I want you to maybe even, you know, this is me being a geek, take a picture of that because I think it's that important. And I want to walk you through like what that can mean so we can start to see it in action. We start to see that we're not just talking theory here. We're talking about what actually works and what you, what actually you know works. I'm not really telling, being a pastor, all a pastor's doing, telling you what you already know at a deep level. I'm just helping you to find maybe some different language for it. So I want to walk you through. I want to start you out with yesterday. Little baby Mila. They're watching at home. Can we all say hi, Mila? One, two, three. Hi, They're all watching us from over in the Northeast today. So little baby Mila, we we had her baptism yesterday. And I love Northeast Philly baptisms because half of Northeast Philadelphia shows up for the baptism. So it's wonderful. And we're all up there. And, and, you know, we're doing this blessing. Rebecca's singing. Everybody's getting teary. I'm getting chills. There's there's mom and there's baby and there's all the family with their hands. Just what we do here. You know, hands on hands. That idea we're all connected. It's beautiful. If I had gone around with a microphone and asked everybody to define God, did you think everybody would have had the same answer? No. But could we experience the love of God? Yes or no? Yeah. 
In that moment, like as I'm standing up there in the Bernathan Cathedral, a new church building, baptizing this beautiful child with people from all different kinds of religious persuasions around. Nobody trying to argue anybody out of anything. Just focused on love. Was there one church at that moment, folks? Was there one church, yes or no? Yes! Yes, there was one church. Was there heaven on earth? Just for a minute, was there heaven on earth? Yes! You see the miracle of that? All nations, good news. I'm not there doling it out like calling cards. I'm there just sharing it with people, and they're sharing it with me. We're all sharing it together. And Mila, she's having a great time. That was beautiful. That's life. That's the choice that we have to live into anytime. Now, of course, that can go on as well. Like we can take that a very specific event and then we can take a look and just see how it can work between face. And for this one, what I want to do is I want to show you a really fun commercial. It's a really fun commercial that gets across like this all nations, this good news for everyone. So take a look at this commercial and you'll see what I mean. Take a look. That's just such a fun commercial. And as somebody who's 51, I, like, I have achy knees now. So that brings a smile. Can you start to see, folks, what the good news really is? And how it can start to transform the world. It can start to bring heaven much closer to earth. When we get that it is about, please say the two words again, it is about, can we say it one more time globally? It is about thank you. It is about all nations. Like that's the prophecy. That's the prophecy. That's what the shepherds are told. That's what the wise men did. That was, that's was the sort of the mission statement Christ gives at the end of his ministry. It's a thread that runs straight through that idea of all nations. And from there, I think we can start 
to understand, you know, what this third gift, we've, we've had three weeks, what this third gift is. The third very simple gift to unwrap. A radical, guys, and notice the word radical. Big, be radical. A radical commitment to the dignity and worth of every single person. Radical commitment to the dignity and worth of every single person. Of, please say the two words, of of all nations and sharing there. This, folks, I think this can be so big. If we can live into this, if we can hear this call again and again and again, not as some Pollyannish, like pie-in-the-sky thing, but as what Christ asks us to do. And then we can really start to be the good news. Now, aligned with that, this is a big stretch. This is a big stretch. Do I have permission to ask for a big stretch? Yes, thank you. You can all blame the people who said yes after I asked you for this. The big stretch is this, folks. Like, as a, as a gift for Christmas, for your pastor, I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. And if you can find in your heart to do it, this is just me asking. I'm not going to check, even though I will know. Uh, <laughs> I am, I'm looking more like Santa, so I will know. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to think about this, to consider this. It's a simple way to live this. First off, obviously, like I do want to invite you to the, to the communion supper. I mean, that's what this was all about, communion, community, joining together around a table, sharing, good news for all nations. I mean, that's what communion was supposed to be about. It was not, interestingly, folks, communion was not something that was originally done in a church where people kind of went away into a church. It was actually something that it was really clear in the original Christian fathers. It was what was known as a sacrament, something that was sacred, and it was something that was continually to pull you out into the community, actually out of your church into the community. So think about that tonight, not at 5 p.m., at 7 p.m., and then I'm going to ask you to think about this too. Now, I went online and I found probably the worst family photograph I've ever found. And these people don't know I'm using their family photograph. But think, think about this just real simply. Think about maybe inviting someone over for dinner this Christmas season or coffee. Just, just, just that simple. That simple piece of reaching out. That simple piece of being the good news. You're not there to teach them or instruct them or anything. You're you're just there to be some good news. You're just there to have a table that you can share around. I mean, pick somebody random. Pick me if you want. Really think about that. Because we can, we can do this, folks. We can start to create this world. And we, we just start with where we are. That's all. And then we can bring good news to all the nations of the world this Christmas season. Now, to close today's service, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be stepping off here. We're going to light the next Advent candle. So let me step off for a minute.
And the next candle is the candle of hope that we're going to be lighting. Joy, love, hope, peace. Those are the four weeks of Advent. Do I have a volunteer who would like to light? You are it, girlfriend. Come on up here. Give her a round of applause, folks. What you do is you go ahead. You go ahead, you hold the candle. And you go ahead and you light it against that one. Excellent. Give her another round of applause, folks. And I love, you know, I was mentioning to Bob, like, like I just, you got to just love Advent, right? You, you have to love that, the, that this is the way people saw to capture religion. That it was all about, Christianity is all about joy, love, hope, and peace. I mean, what a beautiful set of descriptors that is. So what we're going to do is you'll have the opportunity now as the band plays some quiet music underneath. You'll have the opportunity to come on up, as is our tradition over Advent season, to write a prayer for hope. What is something you're hoping for? I know we have a lot of first-time people here, first-time people watching online. Hope as we define it here is hope is love stretching into the future. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 